Sport Calgary assists, supports, and influences the growth of sport in Calgary. As the voice of sports in our city, we connect Calgarians and sport. Hello, everybody. How are you doing, kids? Uh, you holding up all right? You, you doing okay? Um, I, I hope this finds you obviously a little inconvenience, perhaps in a good place, though. I hope we're all staying safe. I hope uh, if you are in the medical uh, industry, uh, profession, I guess, um, or, you know, uh, uh, somebody who works at a grocery store, somebody who's, you know, uh, making pizzas. The people right now, they're helping keeping this whole thing moving forward, taking care of us, taking care of our needs. Thank you. We know it's not easy. We know it's difficult. It's probably going to get a little more difficult here. We know that. Uh, but we'll start off this podcast by thanking all of you and recognizing the great work you're doing to keep us safe, keep us fed, and, and keep us out of trouble. Um, this this podcast is a diversion. This is intended to be something that maybe takes your uh, eyes off the ball a little bit. Um, perhaps well, sometimes we start there, but you know, eventually maybe introduce you to some people in sport in our city that you didn't know so well. Get into some topics, tell some stories, have some fun. Really excited about today. Full disclosure, good friend of mine. Um, she works at some of the camps that I run, um, and she's a, a young broadcaster. Uh, that I've gotten to know and I just think the world of. Um, very lucky to have Sandra Persina from 660 News and Sportsnet join us. Um, she is, to me, uh, a, just a, a, a great writer, broadcaster, radio personality. She can do it all. Um, there's lots of tools in the Sandra Persina toolbox, and we're going to talk about that. Former voice on radio, uh, and streaming of the Calgary Inferno. She's been to Olympics. Um, very, very much um, a pivotal person at Sportsnet in terms of coverage of soccer. Um, and uh, we're going to get into that with her because that's a passion of hers. Um, but I, I've known Sandra for a while. I just think the world of her. And I think, and I'm biased. Again, I, I make full disclosure. I make no bones about who and what I am and what I'm all about. Uh, as being a former media person, I really appreciate how hard People in that business are working right now, the stress that they're under. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about that with Sandra. But before we do that, uh, just want to remind you, Sport Calgary is a volunteer-based nonprofit society guided by a deep love of sport and a mission to help sport grow here in our city. All right. It's an original Six Feet Conversation podcast with Sandra Persina from 660 News and Sportsnet. Love her. Love this conversation. was so much fun. Here's Sandra Persina, everybody. How are you holding up in all of this? Listen, all things considered, it, it's okay. I know it could be a lot worse. It's a lot worse for other people. So you take it, and I know it sounds cliche, but you take it day by day and uh, discovering new things. I think about myself and about the people around me when you're, in a situation like this. So all things considered doing very well. Thank you for asking. But but there is no situation like this. That's the that's the unique part of this, right? I mean, we can draw the, the flood or, you know, lockouts if you want, but there's never been anything quite like this for our generation anyway. And that's the truth. That, that's right. And I was talking to some people in a newsroom the other day, and I said, well, with the flood, you could look outside and realize, hey, it's going to stop raining soon. This is one of those things where you don't really know where that end point is. So it's, it's strange to say you're taking it day by day because it seems like this, this old saying that we always say, but it is the actual truth. What about working in, in news with this? Um, 
you know, we worked, and I'm formerly of the business, we worked in a in a an industry that was changing and evolving, but it seems to me now more than, than ever, it, it's gone back to its roots where we need good reporting, we need reliable information. What's the challenge of this last month, month and a half been like? I will say this past week especially has been very, very difficult for anybody that works in a newsroom. We've essentially been segregated from everybody in our building Everybody has been told to go home. We're the only ones there, and there's about uh, seven or eight of us, probably no more than five of us at the same time. The reporters have been sent home. They're working from home. So essentially, it's on-air staff and producers that are still in the newsroom, and it's really it, it's difficult because we're, we're gathering all of this information, and we're, we're telling ourselves how many people are they going to say have it today, and that's awful because every day we're wondering if that number is going up, if someone's going to pass away. And it's it's draining mentally. And it's one of those uh, media is one of those industries that maybe doesn't come to mind first when people think about a crisis in terms of mental health and things like that. But boy, it does really hit hit you home sure. very hard. And it's very difficult to unplug when you're not when you're not there people say unplug this weekend but it's really difficult because you want to know how other people are coping and, and what the latest is so it's it's been very testing i will say and are you connected to what you're reporting on in the standpoint of you know you can't it's not like you can go home and get caught up on everything that's going on i mean you're doing so much does does what the guests that you're interviewing the information you're giving does that sink home for for people yeah every day i see I see Dr. Dina Henshaw every single day. They, the province has a media availability, uh, usually around three thirty, four o'clock every day. At least they have for the last week and a half or so. And when I listen to her, it brings me calm. And, and I think that's happening for a lot of people. And that's really what's hitting home for me is the fact that we do have really good leadership, whether it be in this city, in this province, in this country. And I, I know people don't agree on all things political, but when we're dealing with a pandemic and a cause that that impacts people from coast to coast. And you see the leadership we have, goodness, I'm so proud to not only live where I do, but do what I do, because at least I can share that information to people and at least think that we're helping them just a minuscule amount to make their days, let's say, just a little bit easier as they deal with these difficult situations and times. You and I have had this conversation on the sports side, so I want to apply it to the news side. How are we how are we making out with we have become the society that was actually seeking out affirmation rather than information. I want the news that I want to hear. I don't want the news that I don't want to hear. I want it from this person. I want this now becomes you need to hear the right information, whether you want it or not. Are we are we making any headway? Yeah, and I think I think we are. And you're right. People would often call the newsroom and complain and say, well, you're not covering this politician. And this was before the pandemic, just just given the, the, the landscape of Canada and how divisive it is a little bit being in Alberta and the time that we are. But now people are actually calling in and saying, thank you for the information. Right. They're, they know that we aren't sensationally, sensationalizing anything. We're getting the numbers from the correct people, the, the officials, whether they be the politicians, the people that work in the healthcare field. And we're basically the voice that gets it to everybody else in the city so they know who they need to call, whether it be 811 or if it's a situation where they would need to call 911, where they can go to get those common supplies like at a grocery store 
or what essential services are still open in the city. Grocery stores are open. Your mail is still running. So to be that voice, I think it's really essential. And people aren't focusing on what we're not reporting, but they are focusing on what we are reporting. When do you believe we will get back to reporting on other stories? Not to say that it's you know 100% coverage of this, but it's pretty close to 95 When do we feel we might get to a comfortable spot? I think what you hear everybody saying is flattening that curve. So once we don't see that really high trajectory, that's when we'll start focusing on other things. And we unfortunately, I think it was two weekends ago in the city, had a very tragic homicide happen in the city southwest. A man who had been opening a restaurant, his lifelong dream, went to go check in on a break-in and People allegedly were trying to break into a marijuana dispensary next door. He got caught in the forefront and he was killed. Something like that would be leading the news for weeks. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, now that gets put down in the newscast because of what's happening and what's affecting the entire world. So it will be a little bit of time, I think. But as just getting back to your original question, I think it's about that curve. And once we can flatten the curve a little bit and people see that they're listening to the 14-day self-isolation, self-quarantine, I, I think we'll get there. But it will be a little bit while longer. This is the new normal for now. One more on this, and I want to transition to, into another conversation, but that has to do with something you alluded to, which is kind of the re- response you've gotten from listeners. It was interesting seeing one of your bosses put out a text that somebody, some angry guy sent in, and, wow, this is just the flu, and why are you covering it? And, and um, you know, I, I was around you guys to know enough exactly what you're talking about there are angry people there are always angry people they're always complaining are do you feel through anecdotal evidence what you're getting from people is that you know that is beginning to subside somewhat are we winning that battle for information yeah i think so it's really interesting there were there's some days where i dread i dreaded answering the phone in the newsroom because i'm like what's somebody gonna yell at me now (laughs) is it the way that we're reading the forecast is the way that we're reporting this And it's really interesting picking up the phone now and people just being grateful or saying that they saw some sort of a good news story in terms of somebody dropping off toilet paper at another person's house or bringing groceries to the elderly lady that lives down the street and she's immobile at the moment. So as a whole, it's interesting how and going back to the flood, how situation can unite a community and, and a city and a country and not to be super kumbaya about it, but I think this is one of those things that happens to the world that makes you stop and realize we're not invincible. Yeah. Something bigger than us can take everybody down. So it, it takes something like this for everybody to slow down and just realize the things that are around you, that's what matters. Where does sports fit now? You work on a newsreel. You know, there was always a slot, an allotment for sport. It's stuck, it's gone, it's frozen, whatever you want to say. Where does it fit in the grand scheme of things in a newsroom? Yeah, it's been really interesting for me. So I do the afternoon sports updates. And uh, gathering a cast of 90 seconds and and putting it together has been interesting during this time. Obviously, there is the COVID-19 aspect. You have certain leagues rather canceling, postponing, what's going to happen with the Olympics. And then you still have the NFL, which is still going on. And it's interesting, a colleague of mine, This week, we were joking. We're like, thank God for Tom Brady this week, because it gave us something a little bit different to deviate to. And I think the listeners appreciated that. So to be able to focus on the NFL just a little bit and and a big move, a big name like Tom Brady deciding to leave New England and sign in Tampa Bay. That was almost uh, the little bit of levity that we needed 
as reporters just not to be COVID all the time. I think of the Calgary Flames on Friday signing a couple of college players and to be able to just focus, just go back to talking about the Flames a little bit and hearing from GM Brad Tree Living and these two young men who have signed their first professional contract. So that was pretty neat just to be able to throw that in a little bit. They've got obviously the focus on the COVID, but then talking about what was our normal for what we've known our entire lives. So that's been interesting. It's been a little bit about balance, I would say. Sandra, let's, let's shift gears a little bit. Um, I no, I was so proud of you last year, and then my heart broke for you at the same time. Uh, you became uh, the first female play-by-play broadcaster on Sportsnet 960 The Fan when you did Inferno Games, and then the end of that incredible run, you know, the season ends, the league ends. Um, just take me back and, and talk to me about that journey and what that was like. Sure, uh, and thank you for the kind words. I appreciate that, and uh, a lot of that had to do with you to get that on the station. I know you've always been a, a great supporter of women's sports, so thank you for that. It started for me, I think, uh, somebody reached out to me about three years ago and said, the Calgary Inferno are just looking for someone to call their web stream. Are you interested in doing it? Someone who knew me and know, knew, knew that I'd gone to the Olympics and covered women's hockey and I said absolutely I would have loved to to do that to have that opportunity and it was yeah so it was it was four years ago now that I think back because we've we've obviously lost the one year of professional women's hockey and it just started as a web stream it was as an unpaid unpaid role I had a lovely color commentator Jenna Cunningham she played for the Inferno she set many of their records fantastic young lady from southern Alberta she's from Medicine Hat and the first year went really well. And they said, okay, we're going to bring you back for another year. And the CWHL at that point had actually started playing some of its, paying some of its players and they paid us as well. So we could see a little bit of a, uh, a journey in terms of how the league was growing and it was getting more airtime. Sportsnet had picked up uh, a couple of games on television and Leah Hextall and Cassie Campbell Pascal were calling those games. And it was neat to see how many people were coming out because the Inferno had been quite successful to that time. And it actually happened that we saw this growth in the league where the players were actually the main national team players were at the Olympics. So they weren't even part of that squad. They were a lot of local players. I think of somebody like uh, Erica Crom. Um, she, she was, she was the captain at that time and she has a really neat connection to Calgary and obviously her dad. So to see how those players on an Olympic year took this team by storm. And then finally last year, all actually now two years ago, all of this momentum and Sportsnet 960, the fan decided to pick up women's hockey. We called four games. One of them was unfortunately, it was a massive snowstorm here in Calgary. So we didn't get to call that very final game, but the feedback we got from it, I was very leery, just knowing the demographic and the listenership of Sportsnet 960. It is predominantly men. So first of all, to be a woman and to be calling women's sport, I wondered what the reaction would be. And people embraced it. They absolutely loved it. Obviously, you'll have the, the, the certain feedback from people that don't appreciate women's sport. But overall, just to hear how people were so happy just to just to have a women's sport on a main station to this day, I'm so humbled and flattered by it just knowing. And I realize the CWHL is defunct, but for us, the fact that we were able to call a Clarkson cup winning season, it's a memory that probably the highlight of my career 
to be able to do that and bring it to this city. And for us, for Jenna and I to be a voice of a team, it meant so much because I grew up listening to Peter Marr and the late, great Ed Whalen and, and just, you know, I think of Brad Curl and, and yourself and everybody that's called game, Derek Wills, and just to be able to, you know, to be a part of a little bit part of Calgary's sports broadcasting journey. I'll never forget it. It is, I can say with whole heart, it is the highlight of my career. One of the things, and I, I remember sending you an email, one of the things that impressed me the most was how good, how quick you were. Because to me, it took a long time. You, it's, one of, it's a skill, and you need to do it. You need to do it a lot. And unfortunately, you never got, to me, the volume of reps that would have been. But I was always amazed how quickly an early adapter you were to that. How difficult was it to pick up and do play-by-play? Yeah, it's interesting with radio. I find that I always felt you had to fill the silences, and that was always an issue with me. With the stream, you could see what was going on. So if Jenna started, Jenna and I started to have a little conversation on the side about, oh, why are we doing this on the power player? It was okay, a side conversation, but you can't really have that on radio. So I had to learn when to speak and, yep. and what terminology to use. I'm a very descriptive person. So I want to use all these adjectives and different synonyms for describing things. And it's like, no, people just want to know where the puck is, what the player's doing with the puck, and if they scored. So you don't need to get super fancy. And that was the curve for me because education-wise, I have a I have an English degree. So for me, I always wanted to be a speaker and to describe things eloquently. You don't really need to do that. And that, for me, was the biggest challenge. So what I started to do was, describe things that me as a sports fan the way that I wanted to hear them so who has the puck what's the situation how much time is left in the game and what's the score and I always wanted to also make sure that my inflections were correct with what was going on with the game so I wanted people to uh, feel the passion through my voice and maybe through the speed of my voice to understand what was going on because they didn't have eyes on the game but it was uh, it was a learning curve but one that I'm very grateful I had the opportunity to have. And hopefully down the road, maybe we can do it again sometime if, if things do work out with the NHL possibly. But it, it was a learning experience, but a good one, one that I very much welcomed. Yeah, your puck geography was really good too. I mean, on TV, you don't have to worry about it. But on radio, you have to tell people where that puck is and they need to know. And and you picked up on that really quickly too, That which is another skill and the, and the other one, I God love you for this. You did not force a catchphrase on us. I don't know how many young broadcasters <laughs> want to force a catchphrase on us. Just call the game. The humor comes later. Yeah, well, and it's interesting, Rob, you mentioned that. I had spoken to a couple of people, and uh, I, I had wondered going into this, you know how you say man advantage? Hmm. I had wondered if it was incorrect for me to say that, if I said man advantage, because Obviously, it's women on the ice, but it was it was. I talked to a little some of the players, the coaching staff, even the GM. They're like, "Man, advantage is fine. Yeah, it, it, it's not about being politically correct. It's about calling the game." And the players actually appreciated it more when I didn't allude to them being women, just hockey players. That's right. They're just hockey players. They're not guys. They're not girls. They're right. hockey players, and that's it's interesting. Is working with you in your summer camp? What it you know? You always say it. What are we? We're hockey players. We're hockey players, yeah. right? Yeah, that's right, and that's that's all it is. Yeah, no, I I, I think it was awesome. So, I, I can't wait till you get back. Are you going to get back? Are we going to? 
And, and again, full disclosure, you and I have been talking about this for a number of years, and Cassie Campbell has led that charge both publicly and, and behind the scenes. Are we going to see women's professional hockey? I mean, we already have in the NWHL, I should say, an NHL-endorsed yeah. product. We're, we're getting there, but if I can be completely honest with you, Rob, I actually thought this would be further along than it already is, just given how the NHL did grasp onto the women yeah. the year before with Kendall Coyne. And what happened this year at the All-Star Game, I thought, okay, this is this is a point. But Gary Bettman continues to drive forward the fact that he doesn't want to get involved while there's another league going on. And Danny Ryland, I understand why she has the National Women's Hockey League, what she's done, what, and her passion for the sport. I, but I think it's the time for everybody to step back and look at the bigger picture. Because look at the years that we're losing of Marie-Philippe Poulin of Hillary Knight, of Brianna Decker, the best of the best, and we can't watch them professionally. And now that we've lost a world championship, which was going to be hosted by Canada, and it was interesting listening to Gina Kingsbury talk, what, two, maybe three weeks ago now, once the event was canceled, and she admitted we've lost momentum because the national team players, they don't get back together until September now. So all that momentum that could have happened here with a world championship is essentially gone. So it's one of these, a step forward, two steps back. So we're going to get there, but I didn't think the process was going to be as slow as it was, yeah, or as it is. It, it's a bit confusing to me, just from the standpoint that you're right, you look at the All-Star game and that three-on-three, -three, what that did, the attention it got. And that's the other thing, is I think we're missing the fact that we have a focused population because the the inferno and the olympic oval and all the other incarnations never really got that public buy-in like it seems like in this very moment mm -hmm. we could have yeah it's interesting i'm still in touch with with Kristen hag who's the gm who, who was the gm of the calgary inferno and i think back to when we announced on sportsnet 960 that we were going to carry the game and Kelly Kirsch had asked her what can you share with us about the inferno and she and i'll never forget this quote the Inferno are Calgary's best-kept secret. Mm -hmm. And isn't that the truth? Because people are like, oh, yeah, there's women's hockey in Calgary. But people don't know the quality until they would come down and actually watch it in person. And then people would lament to me after, but it was such good hockey. And I was like, I know, but there weren't enough bums in the seats. Yeah. And it's about people people knowing about it. And I have to say, I'm so impressed. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a Calgary girl. I'm so impressed with how the Calgary Flames even with their not being a professional women's league, they have continued to support the women, uh, bringing those jerseys. It seems like such a small thing, but to give those jerseys to Brianna, the, the former Inferno, to Rebecca Johnston, Brianna Decker, and so forth, that were at the three-on-three, -three, and to wear the, the Women's uh, Hockey Association ball caps, just those little things, they make such a difference. So if you could get the Calgary Flames and the Maple Leafs and the, and the Habs and stuff behind it to give a league that much cachet, I think it's huge. And that's why the NHL needs to step up because they have a worldwide platform. And this league for, for the women would be made up of players not only from North America, but there's exceptional players playing in Finland and all the Scandinavian countries. Players continue to get better in Russia, in Asia. So, it's, it's just about someone needs to just take the bull by the horns and say, we're going to do this. Yeah. I, I know it took the WNBA a, a long time, probably 10 years, to get that that level where they are now. But look at that CBA that they just signed. I mean, 
that's incredible. I was talking to David Legg from MRU about that not long ago, and he's like, "This this is a this is a moment. This is a historical moment. This the CBA that the WNBA has signed, and the, the NHL should be looking at that as maybe a pathway. And that's where we are right now. I, I do feel, and 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 it's it's not for me to say, but as an observer in what women have been trying to achieve and get to where they deserve to be, that we are living in a moment. And I'll, I'll turn it back over to you. Um, just recently, the uh, the lawsuit between the uh, women's national team in the United States and USA Soccer, and what came out of that, even the response that we saw post uh, World Women's World Cup last year, it seems to me we are living very much in a moment right now. Oh, it's huge, and uh, kudos to what the American women have done from the national soccer team because for their voices, the fact that they are, let's call a spade a spade, they, they are the best team in the world, regardless of their antics on the field, the way that they celebrate goals. I don't even care about that anymore. They have created a platform for women's sport to bring respectability. And when I read those legal documents that I believe it was the commissioner of the, it was, the yeah. American... Former, it, it, former Just to say, former now, yes. Uh, Carlos, I believe, said that. And I couldn't believe what I was reading. These are... These, these women have won back-to-back World Cups. Someone like Megan Rapino and, and the platform that she has and the things she says, people need to listen and show a little bit respect to the people that have put soccer on the map in your country. And I have to say, when, when I think of Canadian soccer, and it, it's still like this, Canadian soccer is getting better. But when you still talk to the average Joe on the street and you ask about Canadian soccer, you know who's the first player they're going to say and they recognize? It's Christine Sinclair. And what did she do earlier this year? She broke the international scoring record. So let's take a little bit of respect to the women and what they bring to this sport in North America. And and kudos to the women south of the border, what they have done. And they forced people to listen, regardless of what the comments are. But they have forced people to pay attention. And I have all the respect for them. Has Christine Sinclair done enough to help the sport? And by that, she reminds she reminds me, and it's maybe I asked that the wrong way. She reminds me a lot of Mike Trout, right? Mike Trout got all that criticism because Mike Trout wasn't, you know, talking and yapping, and you know he wasn't the most colorful person. Is Christine Sinclair getting? Does she get criticized because she's kind of Mike Trout? It it's so interesting. She is such a, a fierce competitor, but off the pitch, she is such a kind and gentle soul. Yep, yep. She is the epitome of everything you would want as a Canadian. And if she were more vocal, yeah, that would be great. But her talking is done on the soccer field. It is done on the soccer field, what she does for the sport and the way that she conducts herself as a leader. She leads by example. And I remember so many times talking to John Herdman while he was coaching the women's national team and he said he said that she everybody just flocks to her because of the way that she leads. She leads not always verbally. And she said the one time she did lead verbally was in 2012 at the Olympics. And basically, after Canada had lost that heartbreaker to the Americans in the semifinal in London, she spoke up and people were shocked. They're like, oh, my goodness. The, 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 the players were like, Christine's talking. We better listen. And she said, we're not leaving this country without a bleeping medal and they went out and they got canada's first team medal at a summer olympics in however many years right so when she speaks people listen but she selects when she speaks and she has been speaking a little bit more over the last year and a half saying there needs to be a professional women's league 
uh, for soccer in Canada because we're starting to fall behind just a little bit right now. Mm-hmm. So she speaks when she needs to speak, but I think for her, she she leads by example on the field. Who's coming up behind? Who's who's going to take? See, when I was young enough, I remember, well, you know, Wayne Gretzky, and then it'll be Mario Lemieux. We're always looking when we have a legend to pass that torch. Who's coming up behind in the Canadian women's game that will take over for Christine? Right now, I don't think there is one. There are players that are good. Yep. I think of somebody like Jordan Heidema, who's playing professionally in France. She's for Gold College right now. Jessie Fleming has just finished her college career. She's looking for someone somewhere to play professionally, whether it be in the National Women's Soccer League or if she's going to go abroad. But to say that the next Christine is coming through the ranks, it's just not happening right now. And she's just a generational talent. We were so lucky. Just I feel so blessed because we're sort of in that same age group. So I was able to watch her career progress as we got older together. I almost you know, feel like I'm connected to her in a certain way, just given our ages. But it's tough to say. I think collectively the program needs to get better, right, and be a collective group of players rather than everybody being give the ball to sink. It can't be like that anymore. The players need to be developed better in this country. So uh, I wish I I had a player, but unfortunately I just don't think there is one quite yet. Is that happening? Uh, In terms of the the product team? The the team. Is 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 the team, you know, again, I'm not putting an end date on her. She can probably play for a number of seasons yet, but are we moving in a Mm -hmm. direction that the team as a whole, the, 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 you know, the sport as a whole will be able to support itself when she's gone? Yeah, that's a really good question. And it's interesting, Olympic qualifiers, Canada was, was fine playing the, the minnows. But once it comes to playing those top 10 teams in the world, Canada is struggling, whether it be putting the ball in the back of the net. I think they defend okay, but that um, that drive to the goal, it's just not there quite yet. So the program needs to get better, and that starts with having professional soccer in this country because not everybody can go to Europe and play. Not everybody can play in the NWSL south of the border. So something needs to be done in terms of the way that soccer is developed in this country. I, I give all kudos to the Canadian Premier League and what they've done for the young young men in this country, knowing that they have a place to play when they finish college or university or, or what have you. But something like that is missing for the women. Where where do they go after college? That That's the question. And right. Right. And unfortunately, there's no answer to it right now. With all due respect, there remains challenges, no doubt. But I do want to point in another positive. Hockey is, we know we're the nation, if not one of the top two nations. Soccer, obviously, with Christine, we're in medal contention. But we do need to point out that basketball as well, under the watch of Kia Nurse. I mean, it's probably been as great a couple of years for female sports from a national team level than we've ever seen. Oh, it's fantastic. I just, Kia Nurse to me is is probably one of the premier athletes in this country. I, I know we talk a lot about Bianca and we talk a lot about Brooke and Christine, but something about Kia and just her story of the way that she grew up in this incredible sports family. Wow. Like if people don't know, Google Kia's history because that the bloodline in there is just fantastic. But what she's done for the sport and what she did just coming out of high school and how many people wanted her to play college ball. I think she had 50, 50 teams looking at her. And when she finally sided with UConn and obviously she did the right thing and, 
and she's playing both in the WNBA and she's playing in Australia. She's just phenomenal and soft-spoken, but she's somebody like Christine where she does also lead by example. So basketball is just, um, if the Olympics, selfishly, if the Olympics don't go, I am sad that we won't be able to see what basketball and the growth that we've made in the last four years. Yeah, it's. I think it's. it's been fantastic. In conversation with Sandra Persina from 660 News and Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Uh, by the way, Sport Calgary members have access to resources such as marketing on social media, blog entries, features, and placement on events listings. Check them out, sportcalgary.ca slash members. Um, let's talk a little bit of, of soccer in Calgary. Sorry, let's talk a little football in Calgary. Your <laughs> your thoughts on Tommy Wielden Jr. and that program in the last 18 months and how the sport has changed in Calgary. Oh, goodness. It's interesting you mentioned that because, Rob, earlier today I was like, one of, I was thinking of my earliest soccer moments in this city. I'm a born and raised Calgarian, and when I was little, my dad used to take me to Moata Stadium to watch the Calgary Kickers. So that would have been late 80s, early 90s, and that was my first real experience watching soccer live and then soccer disappeared for a good decade and then the Calgary Storm came along and Mr. Wielden Sr. was coaching at that time Tommy was a player and then soccer disappeared for another really long time and then all of a sudden Calgary Foothills started to make waves and I remember I was like "Hmm, I wonder who's in charge of this program why are they having some success and I saw the name Tommy Wielden Jr. and how lucky are we to have such a leader in this city an immigrant who came here, yep. decided to call Canada home, as you know, got married, has 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 a, a child here, has a family here, and decided to take the leadership skills that he has to bring it to our city. And that first game came last year, Cavalry versus York Nine, and it was everything you wanted for the first match of a professional team in the city: snow, rain, <laughs> a little bit of sunshine. It was everything that Calgary is personified in a football match and the home team came on top and to see that supporter section wow what have they done for this city and the fact that they're doing it without and and this isn't disrespect to calgary sports and entertainment because they do their own thing but the fact that another leadership group like the southerns at spruce meadows could just bring another professional sport to this city and people that may not like hockey yep they have something else that's that they could put their passion into and i think it's it's just leadership from top to bottom there. And it's such a good product. And wow, we're, we're really, really lucky is what I, all I can say about having someone like Tommy Wilden Jr. You've spoken to him. And you, oh, yeah. He just, the confidence and the leadership that he has, it's, it's phenomenal. It's one of those things you used to be able to say. It. I don't know if you can say it anymore. And as soon as you say, well, you got to write a book. Everybody goes, well, nobody buys books in Canada. I get that. But there is a book in this. And there's a book in the way that Tommy went about it because he was patient. He didn't rush in. He had his eye on the prize when he got that PDL team. He knew where he was going. I don't know if he knew specifically it would be the, the CPL. I think he probably thought it was going to be another league. But that to me is the the absolute epitome of Take your time, build it, build it right, and then it will catch. Yeah, that. What is that old saying? Building, build it, and they will come. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. really what happened. Yeah. So you see a few thousand people coming out to these games, and the fact that they were able to bring in two MLS clubs. Yeah. That, first of all, to beat the Whitecaps at BC Place with so many former Whitecaps 
playing for Cavalry, and then to be able to bring in the Montreal Impact for a semifinal of a Canadian championship in your inaugural season. Wow. It took this city by storm, and it's just phenomenal. Kudos to everybody involved. It's a it's a product to be very proud of. Well, and as someone who is passionate about it and has grown up with it, I'm sure you were kind of disheartened with the criticism that the sport often received. Oh, it's Canada. It won't work here. We're not big fans. Everybody's a fan of somebody else. They're a fan of their home country. But you mentioned it, the, the kind of the, uh, the culture of it, the, 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 the supporters, the supporter groups, the chanting, the, the parading, all of those sort of things that really we hadn't seen until the PDL. We'd, we'd seen you know, football or soccer played at McMahon Stadium with football or played at, you know, wherever, at, at Foothills Park with, you know, the wrong lines. It, it just, it gave everybody, to yeah. me, what they wanted, which was the professionalism of the whole thing. Yeah, it's it's unification, and you're right. It's people on a World Cup year, oh, I'm cheering for England. Uh, my family is Croatian. Oh, I'm cheering for Croatia. Yeah. And that's great, but now we have this product at home, and it's a good product. It's it's exciting ball, and what I really like about it, Rob, is the fact that we can see local players, Marco Carducci, Dominic Zator, they've already received calls up to the national team. They are this next generation of players. Everybody talks about what could have been with, with players that have left for other countries. Well, how about Alfonso Davies? What it, oh, my goodness, what he has done in, in Bayern. And everybody's like, that's a Canadian kid. Yeah, And I, I remember him when he first got to Germany and, and these professional players from other countries are like, you're Canadian. Well, look what the Canadian kid has done. So the fact that we can have a, a trajectory point now for somebody like Marco Carducci, Dominic Zator, they're going to get, they're getting their first caps for the Canadian national team. And the Canadian premier league is now a springboard for them to other leagues. Maybe one of them can end up in the Bundesliga. One, one of them can play in the premier league. We don't know. But the fact that the CPL is here now, it's an option. And that option wasn't available before, which I think is huge. You are much closer to the sport than I am and much closer to the followers of the sport I am. I would look at the outside and go, hmm, you need some names. You mentioned Marco, Nick Ledgerwood. There's there's names. There People would know. But for the CPL to grow, are we going to need to want to see you know, York come in and, and or Victoria, whoever, come in, Halifax, with a name player. Do we need a name player on another team to come in to help grow the sport, if you know what I'm saying? I, I do. I, I don't think so. I mean, we're at a point where I think a lot of national team players or Canadian team players who have been playing abroad may come back and play their 11 days in the Canadian Premier League. So that could help down the road. But I don't This is growing organically. It's growing from this really nice base where, at least here in Calgary, you know the local players, and you'll be able to follow their careers down the road. I think people are not just becoming fans, let's say, of players, but they're becoming a fan of the league, and I think that's a huge starting point for them. So I, I can't necessarily say that it's about bringing a name in, but it's about the quality that's being brought, and I think that's there. Did we get to a stage in year one in which we created rivalries? It seems to me that, you know, that the Cavalry and Hamilton kind of created that. But did we see rivalries begin? Yeah, that's a great question. 
we have obviously we'll always have a battle of Alberta. I loved how they dubbed it the El Clasico, just to bringing that football flavor from Spain and and make it relevant here. So you're always going to have Calgary Edmonton, and that will be if the league does happen this year. You have some players that suited up for FC Edmonton that are playing for Cavalry this year. So there's going to be an interesting dynamic there. The rivalry with Forge was fantastic. And we always talk about organic in sport. I know mm-hmm. I talk about it ad nauseum about things. And I think that one created, we knew that both teams, pundits knew that both teams had pretty stacked rosters going into the season, but I didn't think anybody knew how bitter that rivalry would would be. And it was bitter to the end, which is which is really neat. And talking to Tommy not too long ago, a few weeks ago, and the, the team has a very bad taste in their mouth, knowing the way that they lost last season. They lost in front of their home fans to their biggest rival. So that's created just a, this, this huge motivation for Cavalry this season. So that rivalry was fantastic. And when you see somebody else celebrating on your home turf, if that's not motivating, I don't know what is. So I was curious to see that home opener, I believe, was, or pardon me, the season opener was supposed to be April 11th in Hamilton. So we'll see what happens. But to have that marquee match as your opener of the season, nothing better for the Canadian Premier League. So as far as I'm concerned, you're still very young. But for the young girls that are coming up now, are, are... Is, is there more opportunity in sport? Is there more opportunity in broadcasting for female voices? Or have you have because you and I've had this conversation and the need for change and why it needed to happen? Is it happening? Or are you excited about what lays ahead? Yeah, it's it's interesting. We talk about the Calgary Vegas game that Leah Hextall and Cassie Campbell Pascal called, and that was uh, sorry, Christine Simpson was there as well. I apologize if I'm missing anybody from that equation. That was one of those moments that. You want it to see that it's not just a gimmick, not just because it was International Women's Day, because they know what they're doing. And listening to them, they know what they're doing. Hearing Cassie every week and the insight that she can bring to a broadcast, I think, is holding everybody to a higher standard, whether it be guy or girl who's coming through a broadcasting program. And just the amount of knowledge that Cassie has and that she can offer, whether it be as an analyst in studio or as a color commentator. So I think thanks to people like that, they have given the opportunity to young girls who are, let's say, graduating high school right now or going into a broadcasting program and thinking, if Leah and Cassie can do it, I can do it. And it's a level that they can get to. And so much respect for Leah because she was looking anywhere just so she could call games, whether it be junior B, junior C. I know she was was doing some NCAA. I so admire people that want to continue to just get better at their craft. And the fact that you see somebody and you can look up to somebody like that, I think the future is so bright. Uh, I, I just, and for me, and sorry to interrupt, I just, I want to make sure that it's not just a one-time thing. I just want it to be normal. Like, it, it, oh, a woman's calling a game? It, we don't have to draw attention to the fact that it's a woman. Yeah, and I'm glad, thank you, because it saves me from having to say that. And that was part, I'm a, I've been a little bit uncomfortable sometimes because, you know, uh, 
coin would get to do a game or the sharks would bring somebody in or the Minnesota wild. And I'm like, yeah, but Cassie's been doing the flames for like four or five years and nobody says anything. She's just on. And I agree with you. I, and I've sent her notes. I think Cassie Campbell is Pascal. I got to remember Brad um, has done, (laughs) has done some things um, that I've never seen other analysts do breakdown plays. She broke down a Johnny Gaudreau, um, why Johnny Gaudreau was more successful last year than the year before in a video package that I thought was should have been an award winner. It, it, she does great work, but yep. we don't have to trumpet it. We don't have to talk about it. She's just part of it. So I'm glad you said it that way because I, I don't think I can, but that's where I want to get to too. Me too. And I just, the amount of prep work she must put in, so much respect for something like that. And she she's really lucky because she experienced so much as a player that she can take what she did as a player at the highest level and bring it into the professional game. So just, it's interesting for me as somebody who never played the sport as a high level to understand players, why they do what they do. Uh, Why are they doing this on the power play? Why are they using an umbrella? Why are they doing the PK this way? It is, I don't think people realize what a treat it is to have somebody so knowledgeable behind the mic like that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. Um, one last one before you, and then I got my question I got to ask every podcast guest, but what's what's the next couple months going to be like for you professionally? What's What are you anticipating? Are you, I mean, obviously, I think we're all going to come out of this better in some level, but for you, what's the next couple of months with what we're going through going to be like as a, as a professional broadcaster? There's a lot of unknowns for me. I think it's this is teaching me to take what I do not for granted mm. because there are days where I could be kicking and screaming, upset about the way somebody lashed out at me on social media, the way somebody said something to me over the phone. And then I have to realize that I have a job that I dreamed of as a child, and I was able to be able to do this as a profession. There are still some days that I can't believe that I've been able to do what I do on a daily basis, and I can't take it for granted. And that's something that's being that that I'm really driving home as a professional and as somebody that's able to talk about sports for a living. I also am not going to take sports for granted because right now it, it's tough. I never realized, really realized, because it's always on TV or on the radio or on social media. I never really realized what life would be like without it. This yeah. is a one of those moments where I'm like, wow. So I've spent the last few days. I have a PVR full of. Um, the 2012 Olympics and I've been watching the 2015 women's world cup and just embracing that as a fan. I've just been, been enjoying that because I, before I just watched it because I was a broadcaster. Now I'm watching it as a fan and taking it all in and, and appreciating it a lot more and without sounding too philosophical, but I mean, it really takes something like this for you to notice things that are really important to you and that make, that make you passionate and that keep me wanting to do what I do. Awesome. All right. So here it is. I ask every one of our guests this question. When it's all said and done, and it's over and we're back to normal. We want to give people some things to look forward to. Give me Sandra Persina's hidden Calgary gem. And I'm not putting any parameters on it. You tell me. I'm not going to tell you what it should be, what it could be. The hidden Calgary gem that you would like to share. Okay. Uh, this, I'm really proud. There is a new pretty new local business it's called sea of dead and it's a couple of friends of mine are involved in it and for anybody that's my generation or your generation rob they're selling gear that's that's calgary cannons 
Calgary 88s, Calgary Rats. Just picked up my Calgary Boomers shirt. They got that to me. And they have the passion for for this city and what we grew up with and what's go- now gone. So it's so funny. I, I just talked about appreciating things while I have it. Wouldn't we love to go to a Calgary Cannons game right about now? Yep. Like, it's, it's just, I would love that. So for, I'll give it Sea of Dead and their website. I love it. It's like the old sea train colors, that turquoise, that, that weird purple. And they just embrace nostalgia in this city. And I want to give them a thumbs up. I love what they're doing. And my shirt came in a chicken on the way box. <laughs> so another Calgary staple right there. So kudos to Jay and the work that he's doing and I just love it and for any born and raised Calgarians check them out because they're doing something really cool they're sharing a lot of great stuff on social media and providing a lot of levity during a time right now where a lot of us are struggling with things so sea of dead they get my thumbs up I love it hey I love this is awesome you're the best Sandra thank you for doing this Uh, maybe we'll check in with you hopefully this doesn't go on for too long but we might check back in but thanks for everything you're doing Uh, thanks for being awesome just thanks for being awesome and before you end that, I just want everyone to know how good you have been to me over the years. I have known you now since 2008. So this is my 12th year in broadcasting, and you've always been so open and just being a good sounding board. So I'm grateful for you for what you've done for me and allowing to work with you in your summer camp and allowing for me to bounce broadcasting ideas. So I'm grateful for the time I get to spend with you. Thank you so much, Rob. You are too kind. You are too kind. Sandra Persina hitting it out of the park. Oh, how much? How good was that? Come on, one of my favorite conversations so far. Um, oh, sure, yeah. She said, yeah. And listen, she was too kind at the end. Uh, I get just as much out of my conversations with Sandra as she ever gets out of, uh, out of hers with me. Uh, she's fantastic. Uh, glad she could spend some time with her. I love her enthusiasm. I love just the passion that she brings, and uh, it's it's cool. And that really, she's the epitome of what we've been trying to do with this podcast, the original Six Feet Conversations. Calgarians, adjacent, connected, in sport. Let's share their passions. Let's share their stories. Let's tell their tales. Let's have their conversations. As we go through what we're going through, I don't know what we're supposed to call it anymore. The fact of the matter is diversion and a little civic pride isn't a bad thing. So I'm glad we're able to do this. Look forward to some more conversations. It's been great so far. Can't wait to bring some more voices to you, some cool friends of mine, some cool people. Thank you for the response we're getting online. We appreciate everybody's enthusiasm for it. Again, if you're digging it, if you're enjoying it, if you liked it, share it. Let everybody know we're here every day. Uh, well, weekdays. Got to take a break on the weekends. Sport Calgary, we put up a new podcast, a new conversation, and maybe it's somebody you know. Maybe it's somebody you never heard of. Maybe it's about something you like. Maybe it's about something you've never heard of. That's the whole intention. Let's bring uh, YYC a little bit closer together, shall we? And I, by the way, kudos to her for her uh, hidden gem. Love that answer, by the way. Um, that'll do it. We'll take a break, and we're going to come back again uh, with another podcast. That's what we keep doing. That's what we love to do. But again, can't thank you enough for taking your time out of your day and spending it with us. It's an original Six Feet Conversation podcast here on Sport Calgary.